Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to Dose of Leadership Podcast. So happy you're tuning in. We've got an Equity Bank-sponsored podcast today. It's a special one. Thought it would be good with uh, the current situation with the COVID-19 situation and uh, the, the great unknowns out there. Thought it would be good to bring on two experienced marketers onto the show. People who understand the marketing business, understand the communication side of business, which I think is absolutely critical at this time, particularly with the uncertainty that we're faced. So we brought Mike Schneider, the managing partner of RSM Marketing on here, a fellow prior Marine officer, spent 20 years in the Marine Corps. And he spent the last 20 plus years uh, in the marketing field. And again, he's, he owns uh, a business here in the town that I live in, managing partner of RSM Marketing. And I also brought on John Hanley, who is the Senior Vice President and Director of Marketing for Equity Bank, who's sponsoring this show. And between the two of them, uh, we've got over 30-plus years of marketing and business expertise, and I thought it would be good to kind of have this natural conversation about what do we do, what are some of the strategic things that we could do as leaders in an organization, as owners of businesses, to deal with this uncertainty in the situation, because everyone's going to have to pivot. And I know that word maybe gets overused, but they're going to have to shift. We're all going to have to shift. And we've kind of got through, you know, I guess at the time of this recording, four weeks into kind of a, everybody's kind of been in some sort of quasi lockdown working from home. And we still at this point don't know when we're going to go forward and get back to what is defined as normal or at least some semblance of normalcy. Well, we've gotten past kind of the shock of this happening so fast and and as personally as a consumer, kind of tired of the, hey, we're all in this together, we're going to survive this. Yeah, but what do we do now? Now's the time to be, in my opinion, from a leadership standpoint, to be very intentional, to be uh, aggressive about looking at the new opportunities. I've said on this show countless time time again, the, 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 the time, energy, and resources that is best spent is to be the composed force inside the fear and uncertainty. And the fear and uncertainty is never going to go away. And what I see a lot of marketers and entrepreneurs and leaders do is they try to create processes to squash the 
chaos, the fear and uncertainty. And I think that is a, a wasted exercise. It's a waste of resources. I would rather spend my time, energy and resources learning how to be the composed force within this chaos. Then we can use the spare, the remaining brain cells and the energy and the focus on trying to find new opportunities because they do abound and they are t there are tons of opportunities around. And that's what I wanted to get out of this conversation. Talk to see these seasoned marketers, these seasoned business um business owners and people that have been in the business community, what do we do now? And it was just a great conversation, and I think you're going to get a lot out of it, You know, especially talking about how important marketing is in communication. A lot of times people misunderstand the importance of marketing, and these two guys really bring it home on why it's so important and so critical and probably one of the most critical functions in business right now, and I agree 100%. So again, it's with Mike Schneider, the managing partner at RSM Marketing, and John Hanley, the senior vice president and director of marketing for Equity Bank. This show is sponsored by Equity Bank. I'm so privileged and honored to know the folks there. Going on almost two years that they've been sponsoring certain aspects of this show. It's been fun to watch them grow and exciting to watch them grow into one of the fastest growing banks in the Midwest. They truly understand what it means to be a leader in business. They understand what it means to be a business owner. They value entrepreneurship. They highlight entrepreneurship. And Equity Bank is now listed on the NASDAQ exchange and has locations all across Kansas as well as Oklahoma, Missouri, and Arkansas. Clearly, I believe this team at Equity Bank knows how to lead for growth. So if it feels like your current bank is more of a follower than a leader and you want to work with a bank that truly understands your needs, then check out my friends at Equity Bank. Go to equitybank.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a family member about this show. Let them know that you're getting some value out of Dose of Leadership. And I do appreciate you tuning in. All right, let's join our conversation now with Mike Schneider, Managing Partner at RSM Marketing, and John Hanley, the Senior Vice President of Marketing at Equity Bank. Well, Mike and John, welcome to Dose of Leadership. Hey there. Hey, Richard. Thanks for having me. You know, I thought it would be good. You know, we were talking the other day, and I thought it would be good, particularly with the way things are going these days. And I got two experienced marketers and uh, talking about the pivot, the shift that we have to take in these kind of crazy times. And John and I were talking before the conversation. Like, you know, it's hard to pick. I, I got to be honest. It's hard to pick myself up. I'm a positive self-starting guy. And I found it difficult this weekend. So I'm kind of curious to see you got two businesses, you know, with the John with Equity Bank and the, and the Mike with the, your marketing services. What are you guys doing in this kind of crazy time? And, and maybe we can give our listeners some tactics, some techniques of how they can shift uh, during this crazy time. So, Mike, I'll, I'll let you kick it off. Wow. It's almost like two questions, right? How do you stay positive <clears throat> yeah. during all the bad news? Yep. And then what are you doing, right? So it is kind of interesting. You know, I uh, weekends are hard because, you know, there's not a lot of activity or chatter. Um, and so uh, as a company, uh, we're chattering more. I call it chatter, you know. Uh, like baseball. Why, why do you chatter in baseball? You're supporting the pitcher while at the same time you're trying to antagonize the batter. So, you know, we we had, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, a video conference this morning, as we do every Monday morning with the, all of our team members. We put out a, a daily management email, you know, from the leadership, actually. So we call that the daily pomegranate that keeps people's spirits high. We just had a contest to find misspellings that were intentional in the daily pomegranate. And so we've got some Amazon packages arriving uh, to members of the company who participated. So yeah, we're, we're actually really working hard on keeping the psychology up. 
And it, it has to come from the leadership because folks right now, employees, they want to hear from the leadership. Yeah. I like the intentionality behind what you're saying. It's almost like we, we got to do something, right? And I like how you said it's got to come from, from the top. You know, you got to at least so some sort of composure or some intentionality. Composed intentionality is what I got of what you just said right there. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. You know, and from, from leadership, you know, we're also being somewhat transparent with the financial condition of the company. What's going on, some of the wins, some of the challenges, some of the headwinds. Um, you know, if you're going to ask people to make some sacrifices and you need to have a, a deeper degree of transparency and relationship. Yeah, I like that. I, 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 a handful of times I can think of times when I've worked in corporations and where the bad news or the crisis was in front of us. And for whatever reason, we felt like or the leadership felt like they had to sugarcoat it. And that is, a, to me, a big no-no. It's one of my big pet peeves. People can deal with the bad news, right? As, in fact, I think not only do you owe it to them, but when you present it to them in a truthful, authentic, and transparent way, it kind of galvanizes the forces. It kind of enlists them in the problem solving, right? And that's how I see it. So we actually do a weekly cultural index survey, you know, four or five employees per week. And uh, we've seen over uh, the CB crisis that um, our cultural index is actually improving. Our scores are going up, which is, is so incredibly heartening and humbling at the same time. Well, yeah, and you can attribute that to the, to the transparency, right? I mean, obviously that has to be why, right? Because these, yeah. these are opportunities that can be galvanizing moments. They can be, I mean, we were all dealt this kind of crappy hand, and what are you going to do with it? And, and I like that intentionality, that authenticity behind it. it. It can be a galvanizing moment, right? Yeah, exactly. What do you think, John? Yeah, Richard, Richard I think uh, the, the, uh, that's the human aspect, right? The being transparent and, and being authentic. And, and you're, you're so right that you can't sugarcoat this. Um, one of the things we've done is similar to what, what Mike's doing inside his company is, you know, our CEO is doing a video message each week to our 600 plus employees. And we do have, you know, significant internal communication. I wouldn't be surprised if, if uh, we've improved our, <laughs> our internal, you know, emotional quotient as well with, some messages from marketing, some messages from human resources. And, you know, like, like you said, people can handle the bad news and, and uh, they can handle the good news, certainly. But if, if you're sugarcoating or hiding, that's what's going to get you in trouble, not just with your employees, but in my view, with your, your customers as well. Yeah, because that gap, we, I don't know why, I, I, I understand it because we feel like we don't, we want to protect them from the bad news. We don't want them to get nervous. But what we end up doing is we start creating gaps and then they fill in those gaps that we're not filling it in. They usually fill it in with something worse than it actually is. That's what I found. Yeah. And in this, this time when there's so much uncertainty, it's easy to fill those gaps with oh, negativity. Sure. I mean, we, we catch ourselves doing it on occasion and you, you have to, you know, tighten up and, and force yourself through it in some aspects. And I think it takes a great, great deal of confidence to stand up in front. And if you don't know the answer, say, look, I don't know. And, and even saying, look, I don't know how we're going to get through this, but I just know we're going to get through it, right? And so it's like sharing the uncertainty and like, hey, I'm kind of scared too, but you know what? At the end of the day, I know we're going to get through this, right? And I think that's where the leadership or leaders kind of live in that kind of faith element or that kind of, you don't know, but you just know. I can't remember where I read it, but it's like leaders don't know how it's going to get done. They just know it's going to get done, right? And if you can communicate that, in an authentic and confident way, it, I think it boosts the morale. And I think that's probably why, Mike, you're seeing some of those scores. 
Well, you know, we call it uh, courage, right? So um, there's brand courage. If we're going to you know, translate this over to the marketing side. There's brand courage that's required, you know, and um, not being the turtle and keeping your head out there. And frankly, transforming maybe from a turtle to some sort of a faster, <laughs> faster <laughs> animal than a turtle, right? Right? And cautious, you know. And so, for instance, I have to tell you, prior to this call, you know, I got off a conference call with the uh, the three partners. And we decided to triple our own marketing. We're actually doing quite well through this whole crisis because of the leaning forward. But part of it is, okay, we're not leaning forward enough. So we decided to quadruple our SEO and engage new uh, new tactics on, the, on what we call the sales side, right? There's the, the longer term marketing investment that's required. Um, but um, there are also tactics that can produce. And we talked about it. We said, you know, this is the same thing that we're telling our clients, which is, you know, Folks, two to three weeks before this kind of, you know, we open up the country, folks are going to begin making normalized decisions. And so we have to be over communicating to them now in order to get appointments for foreclosures, maybe mid-May, that kind of a thing. Yeah, it's the, the forward thinking pieces. And it's probably, the for me, the hardest part because it's easy to, like I was telling John before we started recording, it's like I... And I'm a, I'm a self-starting guy. I consider myself a self-starter, full of initiative, um, take the bull by the horns. Um, but when everybody's looking at me, even with my family's looking at me, um, my fellow pilots looking at me, my fellow entrepreneurial circle friends, or we talk about, you know, where a lot of businesses dried up. But you said something the other day, Mike, that I think is, is kind of in this vein, like how do you um, pick yourself up? And I think, and I'm quoting you, I think, or if I misquote, correct me, you got to tighten up to loose, let go, right? It's like, you got to tighten up to let go. And that meant, oh, and I thought about that this weekend, you know, and it's like, okay, I'm sitting here. I know there's a lot of stuff I, I need to do. That's different than what I was thinking about. My mindset wasn't even thinking about three to four weeks ago. And so that tight for me, that tightening up means, okay, but I can see, and, 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 and I think that's the marketing entrepreneurial mindset of mine. I can see the opportunities that are there. Now, what makes me stagnant is that I really wasn't planning on doing that. Does that make sense? I don't I mean, I had it all planned out what I was going to do for the rest of 2020. Well, now that's all gone, but I can see the opportunities, but now I just got to tighten up and start doing the work. Is that, and I got to let go of kind of those preconceived notions that I had, you know, March 1st, 2020, but I can see an abundance of opportunity. Does that make sense? I, I went on along there, but I was, I'm just kind of sharing my mindset of what I was doing this weekend so i can i'll answer that then i'll toss it to john for a real world you know industry you know um example uh, john and i've been working together for 10 years right so we talk about you know the good bad the ugly and all kinds of things it's it's wonderful to have had a, a long-term relationship and one of the things that we, we talk about is the great leadership truth it's ourselves who get in the way of our own success right it's ourselves Meaning what? You know, we know what we know. We don't know what we don't know. So in this idea, time to tighten up by letting go, part of it is, is, is the leaders, right? We, we deal with all kinds of companies and John deals with a complex, large company with all kinds of buyers within his company, you know, and um, uh, uh, what you see over and over again is, nah, we tried that or nah, we don't need to work that hard. All these nahs. So if there's a listener out there who's going, nah, you know, we don't need to do that. Well, that's what we mean by letting go. Let go of yourself. You might even have to remove yourself, right. refuse yourself if you're locked in 
been doing this for 20, 30 years and you just can't even let go. And then the other side is tightening up. Well, I just told you, I mean, you know, even our own company, we're taking our own medicine and we're doubling down, we're tripling down, we're tightening things up in a way that we didn't have to do 60 days ago. Yeah, no, I like it. John, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. Well, I wanted to, to piggyback on that. And then, you know, one of the terms Mike used early on was was brand courage. And I think as you tighten up and you may have shifted tons of, you may be a marketer and have had plans for the entire year. You're like, I'm doing this in May, I'm doing this in third quarter, then it's Christmas. Wow, we're awesome. And now you are shoving those aside. And so uh, the brand courage allows leaders to, you know, realize that there is opportunity here, like you said, Richard. And and it's it, you see the, the ways you can take risks with your brand and with your voice and with some of the tactics where you may have tightened up and not done as many, let's say it's media buys, for example, or let's say it's online or whatever your company decides. But whatever you do stick with, your voice has to be better and sharper. And the more risks you can take with that voice, is going to going to uh, improve your creativity, improve your message, and improve the memorability of your company throughout the the uh, whatever we're in for here. Yeah, the lesson is, I think, is to avoid at all costs passivity. Is, did I say that? Is that the right? Is that a word? Passivity, being passive. Yeah, it is a word. Yeah, we'll allow it. Yeah, <laughs> right. But ah, that's good. You're allowed. Won that one. <laughs> but well, I, I think I think you. To me, I think that's the kiss of death. And I and I look at some of these – oh, I, I even hate saying this because there are so many businesses that are so struggling right now, right? They're, they're merely not going to be survival. But that, all the more reason why you can't be passive in this environment, right? I mean you just cannot. That's the kiss of death. Well, I, so I think that you know, there's two degrees to passivity. Okay, there's you – know, yes, you absolutely cannot be passive. You must be doing something. Right. Um, and that sounds irresponsible. Like, oh, God, somebody go do something. Well, right. We're saying the thing that you're doing is intentional and it's smart. OK, but there, within doing something, there's the safe and then there's the not safe. And I wrote down a word earlier. Actually, it's a hyphenated two words. Counterintuitive. You know, Richard and I both serve in the U.S. Marine Corps. It's really interesting because as leaders of Marines, you have to convince 18 year olds to run into a machine gun. That is counterintuitive in two ways, right? The young men and women who need to do that, well, you know, that's not how they stay alive. And then you don't really, as a leader, want to do that. We have to do as leaders that which is counterintuitive. Okay, so I I would say that if there's listeners out there and they're struggling with something, some sort of marketing or sales action because it seems counterintuitive, then perhaps that's the right feeling to pursue. If you're not uncomfortable, then you're not pushing it far enough. No, I agree a hundred percent. I think the particularly in this time, um, wherever that fear and uncertainty barometer needle is pointing the strongest, is probably what you should work through. Right? You should embrace that. And it sounds cliche, but I mean, but you have to. I think it's um to to the point is I think a lot of times the efforts and the, and the tactics people take during these times is to, to to eliminate that fear and uncertainty, and that. I think is a waste of resources. I think it's better served if you kind of embrace it and say, look, I I can't make this fear and uncertainty go away. So I'm going to be the composed force within it. And that does mean taking some smart risk and, and that smart risk 
equation probably looks completely different than it did March 2nd, right? That smart risk is probably a lot more riskier than it was, if that makes sense, than it was, you know, in January and February of this year. Yeah, I work in a pretty, you know, competitive, you might even say saturated industry, banking, um, a lot of competitors. And so when, when something like this happens, there's a there's a tendency to look at your peers and do exactly what they do to mimic it in terms of your your message strategy or even your media strategy or, or what have you. And I, I think I think you can't do that here no matter what you're in. You may be in insurance, you may be in, um, you know, something else. And and uh, just making sure that you're staying true to who your company is and what you do best and figure out a way to, to deviate from the noise uh, when when and how you're communicating those type of things. You know, it's interesting you said p- doing what everybody else is doing. And I'm curious what you two, you guys have in the marketing mindset and experience that you have. The thing that's frustrating me as, as a consumer and watching as we go through this is – Everybody feels like they have to get on the bandwagon and say we're all in this together and we're going to come out stronger and all this other stuff. I think that's a missed opportunity. I think I would. I'm looking for the organizations that are just kind of getting back. To, you know, you know, it's not like you're ignoring what's going on, but you're just like, yeah, okay. It's assumed or implied that we're in this together. Here's what I'm going to do. You know, here's how I'm looking towards the future. Does that make sense? Because when I see marketing messages that are like we're all in this together that lends itself to this kind of huddled masses and not taking action. I don't know. That's just from a consumer speaking. I'm curious what you guys think. Maybe I'm completely missing the mark. Maybe you guys got data that people and and brands want that kind of warmth and assurances from brands that we're all in this together. Well, there's a, there's a couple things there and then I'll throw it to Mike because he'll have, he'll have probably more insights than me on this. I can speak sort of for, for my industry. Um, is that, yeah, I know I'm, I'm a consumer too. And just like you, and you probably got from every email list you've ever been on yeah. the word this together, the, the, those type of messaging. And that can, that can breed cynicism over time. But I do feel like for every one of those companies you got an email from, or I got an email from, or Mike got an email from, um, you know, we may not be the most active customer they have, but they have a customer who is dying to hear from them and make sure that everything's okay. So there's some sort of necessary, um, you know, kind of necessary function that you serve when you send out something like that. But it's what are you going to do after that? Because Richard, you mentioned sugarcoating early on in the conversation. And, you know, if you just throw up a we're in this together or, or all for one and one for all, you know, it's got to be more than just a cool graphic on your social media, you have to live it or your company has to live it um, within not just your messaging, but the responsiveness and the value you're offering after that. Yeah. I like what you said. Yeah. What do you think to add to that, Mike? Well, you know, it's interesting. So um, in communications, there are phases. So then you migrate from one phase to the next phase. I think the whole, we're in it together. Well, I think we've passed that. I mean, that was for the initial hit. What we're actually seeing translation though right now. As a matter of fact, I was on a conference call with a client today, you know, and they um, they uh, they're in the M and A space nationally, and so um, the, the flaw now <clears throat> is using what I call thirty thousand foot constructs, okay, especially constructs, frankly, that have been blown up. I mean, yesterday, I understood M and A generally. If I'm a business owner, I kind of understand how it works, but today. Are banks still lending? 
what happened in my financials. I've just taken a huge hit. How's that going to look three years from now? You know, uh, has, has uh, multiples gone down? Um, you know, blah, 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 blah. There's a hundred questions. John, even in banking, I mean, you know, from the, right? I mean, some of this goes your way. It's like, okay, you know, what's it going to take is with banks. I mean, how are they going to look at this hit to my financials six months or 12 months from now? So what we have to do is break down lending is this 30,000 foot construct. And we, what we, we, we call that breaking it down to a prime number. You can't break it down anymore. And so that's what you talk about. And you make it granular and you make it visual. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. And, you know, we have a specific example in lending with the recent paycheck protection program. But, um, you know, any bank could take advantage of this and, and offer it to their customers. And of course, they're funded by the SBA through the, the, the CARES package. But um, that's not easy for the customer to to internalize and understand right off. So it's the banks that position themselves as a, a you know, kind of a, a resource here to help you through it, to get it done fast. And and to, to get it done right so you don't have to wait around for those funds that you, you need for your business. And, and that's, that's the exact type of example you're talking about, Mike, where you, know, you have this uncertainty in the, the marketplace of whatever you can do to answer those questions and, and uh, demonstrate your commitment to that customer is huge. Hey, we're about halfway through the conversation, but I wanted to take the time to talk about my good friends, the sponsor here of the special series at Equity Bank. Have you ever noticed that most business bankers seem to really understand just one thing? It's banking, right? And not a lot about business. It makes sense since most banks were built generations ago and now they're often run by caretakers, not business builders. Well, it's not the case here at Equity Bank. The bankers at Equity Bank didn't inherit a bank generations ago. They built one of their own. They know that building something takes expertise, vision, and hard work. And over the past decade, they built one of the region's fastest-growing banks by working side-by-side with customers, with entrepreneurs, with leaders in communities all throughout Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. Recently, Equity Bank was listed on the NASDAQ Exchange, which gives them even greater capabilities to take on those big deals that growing businesses need to keep on growing. So if you're tired of talking to bankers who've never really ran or owned or built a business, then I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised when you talk to my friends at Equity Bank. Thanks for listening to this show. Let's get back to the conversation, this unique and special series on leadership and entrepreneurship brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. Where do you guys think the priority, if you're talking to a business owner or somebody out there right now is like is facing this uncertainty and they look at their, their priority list and, the, and everybody's priority list is shifting and changing and morphing as we speak. What do you say to, the, to that business owner who says, okay, yeah, you know, I can see, you know, what is it? Uh, BCV before coronavirus and ACV, right? So BCV, I'm sitting here marketing was this level priority. And when a crisis happens, it seems like intuitively, if I don't have a marketing mindset, that the marketing stuff seems like a lower priority right now. What do you say to that? And and how does your mark the two things, the importance of marketing during a crisis like this, how is it important? How has it shifted in, in terms of priority? Does that make sense? Well, I'll tell you what. So you said a whole lot there. Um, you're talking to a marketing services firm. So, of course, our answer is going to be it's more important. Than ever. <laughs> right. No, I, I get it. But I mean, but you see what I'm saying? I mean, I think it's important, oh, but I'm just trying to I'm just saying it's like 
I can see a business owner going, I can't be thinking about SEO right now, Mike. I got, I, I just got I can't even know where I'm going to get my payroll from. You know what I mean? That's where their mindset so, is. Okay. I got an answer for that. I can answer this, Richard. First of all, I would say that there's confusion because you know, you're not talking marketing there. You're right. You know, what? That's not, that's marketing. No, it's not. It's actually marketing communications. Right. Okay. Marketing is one of the three fundamental. Um, there's only three um, um, parts to a business that comprise the business. The first one is marketing, deciding what it is we should make and provide that the market will, will buy it at, at, at a profit to the stakeholders, the shareholders. That's the fundamental premise of any business. What are we doing and solving that people will pay for? Second is operations. We got to make make the stuff or the service. And the third one is finance. We got to count the money, right? So you said marketing. Marketing never goes away. As a matter of fact, now is the time. There's a huge opportunity in the market. There's disruption and dislocation. Competitors are going to go away. They're going to be weaker. The market is shifting. You got to go chase those gazelles. We need to be sharpening that that marketing acumen more than ever. Now, on the marketing communication side, that does that in, that that indicates some spend media things we need to be doing. That is secondary. So, absolutely, I love. Yeah, I love that answer because I was hoping you'd get to, to that point because because you're absolutely right. Because I think in the time of crisis, it becomes fundamental to your point because I think the marketing questions answers where are we taking the ship and why which I think is the most critical. That's, I think that's the most critical thing in any business any day, but it becomes super critical, hypercritical in these types of situations. So I love that answer. John, you think you want to add to that? Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, you know, Mark is, is in effect communication. What are you communicating as a company? What are you offering to the consumer? Uh, what are you offering to your, your colleagues or your employees? So while your your advertising expenses, depending on the type of business you're in, they may, they may take a hit or you may decide to make a hit or you may decide the time is right to invest more into that. You know, that's, that's advertising, but marketing and communication, that's always going to be something you have a need for. And as an, as an in-house marketing person, often um, the communication aspects of business fall upon you to help, help sort out in times like these. Um, That could be press releases. That could be content on your website. That could be, um, talking points distributed to your, your sales teams. And, and those things aren't, aren't, uh, you know, those aren't significant advertising expenses, but they're just as critical in, in these times. And so the Mike is so right. The marketing communication is fundamental and it's who you are and it's who you're representing. And it, it will never takes a backseat, even if, you know, the sales cycle of what you offer may, may change slightly during, during a temporary period. Amen. I love what both of you said. And I agree a hundred percent, even in the best of times, I think I'm, I'm, it's always been one of my pet peeves is people misunderstand. I don't think particularly senior leadership. I think it is probably one of their, the number one uh, primary functions as at the top level of leadership is to maniacally, and I don't use that word lightly, to maniacally communicate where the ship is going and why it's going that way. And I think that is the biggest weakness that most businesses have, even in the best of times. And so even when you, you're facing a crisis, it becomes that much more tantamount. So I love both of your answers. But uh, Well, I got to tell you, so, you know, and I hope John doesn't mind this, but the uh, when John and I first met, it was uh, uh, right after the Great Recession. And banks, especially during the Great Recession, they were despised and all the bank leaders were hiding and nobody was coming out in the category to be a leader. John, you know, John, you know, 
uh, we, we talked about the strategy. It's a marketing strategy. And so we decided, and I won't name the bank brand because, you know, it's not Equity Bank where he is right now. But, you know, we decided collectively as to the leader of that organization to get out front and lead. And so we began to do some advertising featuring the leader of that bank, and it worked quite well. But, you know, again, it was counterintuitive. And mm-hmm. so, you know, John had the brand courage back then. Uh, and, you know, uh, we like leaders who get out there when it's risky. We respect that as human beings. And why would that why would that stop at the company level? It doesn't. No. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, I have a current example of that with with equity. Honestly, um, we've got a, a CEO and in, in Brad Elliott, who is who is excellent at, at uh, getting out in front of, of the types of leadership areas within an industry that that's that's important. And and, you know, this probably happens in in every industry where it's it's easy to not say anything. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you have the ability and the capability to to lead through through whether it's being on a podcast, whether it's a video, whether it's an interview in a publication, whether it's something something else, you know, that that is huge in value to people that are swimming through a sea of of communication and searching for answers somewhere. Yeah, I don't think it's I think it's impossible to over communicate it, to be quite honest. Now, don't get, don't misunderstand. I mean, there's there's a difference between effective and ineffective communication. There's there's a risk of being completely ineffective with your communication, but I don't think if if the message of what you need to or the obligation that you have to communicate, I don't think you can over communicate it. I really don't. And I think I think too too often people miss that mark. And so, as long as as long as it's wrapped in an auth, auth, authenticity transparency bow, um, I just don't think you can go wrong. I just I don't think you can over communicate it. Well, you know, so yeah. And, and the flaws when you say the same thing, the same way over and over and over and over again, <laughs> which you know, typically in normal times, that may not be a bad thing because folks are distracted, but now folks are tuned in. Right. So, you know, what you have to tell is tell different aspects to the story, right? You say it this way, then you say it that way. And even understanding that there's all kinds of uh, learning styles out there, right? You got auditory listener or learners like the folks who are listening probably to this podcast, but the visual people aren't. Mm-hmm. So you know what? If you put out a, a blog, well, fine. Well, now go put it out on a podcast. And, oh, great. Go do a video. Oh, fine. Go translate that into an email program. Say things differently, highlighting different aspects, perhaps. And frankly, even the medium, right? So the email medium is going to require you. I'm not talking like an e-newsletter, but I mean, just you know, emails, mm-hmm. right? And so that's going to require uh, shorter writing, you know, and like Mark Twain said, I'm sorry for such a long letter. I didn't have time to write a short one. <laughs> right. right. So yeah. Emails might be harder to write now than, than they yeah. were before. Unlike podcasts where you just get to talk and, and you know, you're, you're, you're done. But anyway, yes, you cannot over communicate. Well, and I th- it's such an effective tool. And I, and for, for me, and I think if there's any, I don't know if anybody that would would not see the value of or the importance, particularly in these days, of, of an effective marketing team in your organization. Um, from a leadership perspective, I, I just think you know having the right marketing team or the right marketing leaders in place is so critical. I mean that is that's huge for me. And at least in, in some of the businesses that I've coached and worked with. They, they didn't look at it that way. They almost looked at it as marketing as an, as an offshoot and particularly in crisis. I think, I think the marketing guys need to be right there in, in the, in the, and then right next to the driver's seat. That's how I see it. But again, I'm not a marketing professional. 
I'm just kind of talking from an outsider looking in and what I've experienced both personally in the corporate arena and, and also when I've coached guys as well. Fascinating. Well, that's you. You just said a whole lot there, and then I'll, you know, I'm going to say my little thing and welcome John's response to it too. You got two kinds of marketers, okay, and even two kinds of business execs. Now, all three of us in this little pyramid here on this podcast, you know, we've got some gray hair. I mean, like, John, you're yeah, you, you're getting some there, bro. It's getting, and, okay? and I, haven't had I definitely do. Like yeah. Six weeks, so it's it's starting to come in. So, you know, and, and Richard, you've been around the block. And so, you know, again, I'm going to say business and marketing, because if you're a business owner and you've got a young team, then they're going to have a fear approach because they haven't been around the block. They don't know. It's it's not their company and it's not their money. And so they're going to be more cautious. Meanwhile, I can tell you right now, John, I know he's speaking into the leadership of this bank. He's got a screwed attitude, man. I've been around the block. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not worried about my reputation. I'm just gonna give you the candid, <laughs> right. you know, stuff. And I mean, that's where you know, you here you go. If you're, you know, uh, uh, if you're uh, an owner, am I getting candor? Yes yeah. or no? Right. Right. And I think that's what the market. And you're right. You're hitting on why I've seen where it's worked effectively is you had that marketing team or leaders and that they, they do, they, they provide that kind of, I used to say, I used to say brutal honesty, but I don't like that word brutal anymore because I think it denotes the wrong, the Marine Corps and me, you understand that Mike, but and you understand what I'm saying brutal, but I mean, it's, it's um compassionate candor, I guess maybe a better word to look at it if I want to soften it. But, yes. but the point is the candor has to be, in other words, I want to be able to walk in a room and say, hey, Mike, John, I got I got the brilliant idea and I spill it out and lay it out for you. And the next thing, one of you says, Rich, I think that's a dumb idea and here's why, right? That would make me happy. Sorry, I didn't yeah, mean I to think, cut you uh, down. Marketers in, inside organizations and, and inside companies are counted on to be kind of the, the leading edge of that company. And I don't think you can fill that role unless you approach your your uh, your meetings and your conversations with the brand leaders with with candor and with honest appraisal of okay guys we're good at this this is where we got to be in mm-hmm. two years two months whatever it is and i think that that helps marketers have success inside inside their walls when they're able to approach those types of decisions and conversations with honest assessments and then enthusiasm for moving forward because um you know i i, I work for a company I, I really like now but i've certainly seen some others um, and had peers and some others where they felt like they were pushing a boulder to get uh, pushing a boulder up a hill to get something, anything, the smallest thing done. And uh, you can't. It, that's a that's a struggle, and you have to work that way. So if you're in, if you're in in house in a company, and and you are on the uh, the the front edge of things, um, definitely being honest and willing to measure and look at anything and. And that enthusiasm and energy for the next step is going to carry you pretty far, I think. I agree, 100%. I guess, you know, I guess if there's a listener out there, I've always said too, and this is where I think even large marketing, if you've got a large marketing organization or a team within your organization, that you have a lot more influence than, and that goes for every worker, but I think in marketing you have a lot more influence than, than you think within the organization. I don't know. That's just from, again, observation from coaching and working from my experience. Again, you guys are the marketing professionals, but I think that there's a, a, 
an opportunity, particularly now, that people have a lot more influence than they think they do, and particularly from the middle and below. And if you look at an organization and, and if you can get the right messaging out there, or at least, and even internally, I mean, I think that's where a marketing department, I think, can can make a lot of hay is this internally, you know, getting the message across internally. I mean, I guess, I guess sometimes people turn it over to communications teams, but don't most people have those kind of together nowadays in marketing? You know what I'm saying? Don't I've seen it both ways. I've seen it where you had a communications department and a marketing department. And I always thought that was kind of weird. There's probably, there's probably listeners here that have, that do have a, an organization with both things. Yeah. With both the comm team, PR team, marketing team. But there's, there's people listening to this that are a one person marketing shop yeah. inside the and uh, they have to determine, you know, who they're going to trust from the outside, whether it's it's RSM and Mike's firm or, or somebody somebody different, or if they're able to do that at all. And and so those are the types of of, of situations where marketing can have a huge impact by working in the communication aspects of different roles that may be in your company. And, and you may be in a, a five person shop uh, with a, a you know the brand founder and two frontline employees, but you can still have an impact no, no matter what it is. If you focus on that communication and being honest and that, that type of enthusiasm. Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. Interesting. So hey, Richard, one thing, you know, um, first of all, I think that, you know, the flaw would be to be thinking in terms of 30 to 60 days. Okay. And, you know, all of us have got to be thinking in terms of two to three years. Why not? You know, what, 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 we can't lose the lessons. We can't lose the opportunity to build long-term strength and muscle, right? So, you know, certainly, you know, let's just don't kick that can down the road. Well, this is going to be over in 30, 60 days. Well, you know what? Honestly, we're telling our clients, you know what? We better get, you know, we better get um, prepared for perhaps early 2021. We don't know what's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. We might get some sort of revisitation. You know, and how about the next crisis or whatnot? And by the way, new disciplines mean new outcomes, right? So then there's just going to be this long-term focus. Um, and there's a question that we ask, you know, almost on a daily basis, the leadership here. And the question is, what aren't we thinking about? Mm. What aren't we thinking about? It's really interesting when you ask yourself, as, especially as a team, uh, uh, the Harvard Business Review reported uh, a study that showed that three people make a genius. Any three people, any three random people can solve the Mensa test. So when you start asking a question like that, especially with three people, um, and we broaden that question out beyond even the ownership to the management team, you start getting some very unexpected answers. I mean, it's like every day, you know, you make one small step, right? Big, big for the company, small for mankind, perhaps. But, you know, the more you ask yourself that question over time, you're going to end up at a completely different company, perhaps. I like that a lot because and that kind of was, was as we kind of wrap up here, I was kind of where I was going is like, you know, a tendency, I know for, for me as a leader, when I've been in leadership roles and faced with crises and even flying planes, I can even look at the micro level of, of having a crew. You're always fighting that tendency to um, – uh, particularly if you're the one in charge that you feel like you got to have all the answers. And I like what you said there is like, what aren't we thinking about? And the more that you open that up, um, obviously you're going to get a better result. Right. I mean, it's the, yeah, I would, I, I agree totally with what, what, what Mike said is looking down the road is, is so important. I mean, you're never going to run out of mm -mm. fires to put out internally. Right. Just as, just as, 
um, you know, I'm going to have communications problems to solve in a bank. Um, Mike's going to have that 20% of clients that need something just like that, right? They, they need it today. Um, that, that type of stuff is always going to be there, but having that discipline to position yourself to ask the questions to your clients or to your, your one client um, moving forward, you know, what aren't we thinking about? What takes us to the next level? And, and working through that is going to pay huge dividends for, for your team and, and your company. Well said. You guys have said so many amazing things. It's been a fun conversation for me. I'm looking at we're coming up on 40 minutes here. But as we wrap up, what, what were kind of the, the last things that you would like the listener to, to, to know or walk away with that we didn't cover in, so far? Well, I'll, I'll jump in first and then I'll, I'll let Mike uh, bring us home. Um, just a couple things that I would offer to anybody who's a you know marketing pro trying to figure out how to get things done for their, their company inside inside their company's walls and where do you go next? A couple things is make sure you're figuring out some way to commit to the creative process or your own creativity with you and your teams. I've got a team of four that work for me and, you know, we meet daily and it's not always just a task list we discuss. It's, um, you know, there is like rigorous, what's a big idea? What, you know, what, what could we do here? And making sure that you are managing your own creativity and the creative process so that you're delivering ideas to your, your company is, is hugely important because you're going to have the opportunity to be able to express those ideas when, uh, within the next, you know, eight, 12 months in some way. And, uh, you know, the, the, the last thing in my, my team gets sick of me saying this, cause I say it all the time. It's an old John Wooden phrase that my high school basketball coach said to me, cause I was slow on defense, but be quick, but don't hurry. And, you know, the, the faster you think and the faster you can execute without being sloppy is going to pay huge dividends on your, for your, for your company, being able to experiment with different types of advertising and messaging, as well as being able to do that, measure it and figure it out quickly is going to be, going to be important. And, uh, that's that's all that's all I have to say. I like that. If I can just throw in there, I like the the timely decision piece is what you said. You know, the be quick but don't hurry. It's I'm a huge proponent of that, particularly in these type of environments. Is make timely decisions. Don't wait around to make the perfect one. Is what I heard out of that, John. Maybe I'm maybe I'm. Hopefully, I'm not adding too much to what no, you said. No, I agree. But, I agree with that. that. You're going to have an opportunity in, in this type of environment to make decisions, audit them in real time, and yep. see what works and what you're going to keep going forward. It's the whole what the Marine Corps we call the seventy-five percent solution, right? You get seventy-five percent of the information, fill in that other twenty-five percent with your intuition, your expertise, your saltiness, and just and pull the trigger and see what happens. You're much better doing it that way than just kind of waiting for the the right information to come in to make the perfect decision. That's going to leave you behind. And and yeah, I love what you said there. Great, Mike. What about you? Last thoughts. You know, I just want to reemphasize kind of this whole idea, you know, of time to tighten up by letting go, right? Mm-hmm. So we get out, we get over ourselves, we commit to doing new activities, right? That's the tightening up part. And then there's this whole aspect, you know, of the harder we work, the luckier we get. And sometimes, you know, as I've gotten older, I, I've actually learned that most of these adages or you know, these sayings <laughs> that we didn't understand as 20-somethings, you know, they're actually true. Mm-hmm. So just accept it. If I work hard, the harder we work, the luckier we're going to get. And so, you know, we have an anvil as our logo. And so we like to say, you know what? That, uh, that anvil doesn't exist in isolation. I mean, it's pretty. It's, it's, it's a chunk of metal. But once you start hammering away on it, you're going to see some things that indicate you're working hard, okay? So in your company, you better see sweat. 
You better see tears. You better, you better smell noxious fumes. You better see sparks because that's how you know that somebody is hammering away on an anvil. It can be in finance. It can be in ops. It can be in marketing, whatever it is. We are talking marketing. So, you know, if you think you're working hard, you should be able to see some of the sensory indications of it. Oh, I like it. Well said. And I think that, you know, again, there's, there's opportunities abound and it's, I think it's, you, you have to get on with it and accept, you know, there's what I say, you know, BCV and ACV, you know, accept that ACV after coronavirus world. That's, that's what it is. I mean, it's just, it's just get on with it, you know? And, and I think you're right. I think it's the time, we don't know what it's going to look like, but I think that the time to sit there and kind of just worry about what it's going to look like is over in my opinion. And now it's just right. time to start doing something, you know, and, and doing it smartly and doing it aggressively with intention and, and with, with leadership as the umbrella behind it, meaning all the things that we talked about in here about, you know, timely decisions, um, authenticity, transparency, confidence, and courage, all that stuff, right. To be the composed force within this chaos is, is what people are looking for at this moment. And, and I, I love this conversation. I, I hope you guys got something out of it too. So I appreciate you coming on the show. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, John. Thanks, Mike. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the show. I hope you got some value out of this episode. If you did, please do me a huge favor. Tell somebody about this show. Tell your spouse, tell your kids, tell your coworkers. Let them know about the value that Dosa Leadership brings to your world. Go to dosaleadership.com. You can learn more about my services. If you're looking for somebody to speak, teach, or coach about leadership, I'm your guy. I'm known for my ability to transform individuals and organizations, teaching them the concepts of creating a culture of decentralized leadership. I do think that is the secret sauce to facing all the challenges that we face today. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. I look forward to the next time we're together. And until the meantime, make it a great one.